What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Middle! Lee Jenkins, cough! Hibby-hibs! Good, uh... Good deep dive on the on the Rams Niner game in the Athletic on Thursday as we record this from John Middlecoff. Go read it. Got me thinking you know about some about things Lee, actually. About Lee Jenkins, hmm. I just thought about like he had a pretty sweet career, right? As a writer, he became one of the go-to writers. His pieces were awesome, and he was so fucking good at his job that this team realizes God, we're just going to hire him. And people are like, "What's he going to do?" They're like, we'll figure it out. And then that team becomes like the powerhouse squad that lands the two guys and now he's on the sweet team like what a career a lot of times when you make that move like John Hollinger who's now back with the athletic or I guess he was never with the athletic but he was like Lee Jenkins a writer right at ESPN then his in was analytics but what did Hollinger never really he was with the Grizzlies no one the casual fan unless you're a diehard NBA fan you probably wouldn't realize like Lee Jenkins was in all these sweet meetings, like how do we land Kawhi Leonard and how do we land uh, Paul George? Whenever he decides, like, yeah, I'm kind of over this NBA thing, I'm going to go back to the media, he's double valuable, guy. He, one, he's like a sweet writer, so he can just start writing again. And two, he's got the insight on some of the biggest free agent moves of like the last 10 years. He's like a fucking scout or an XGM. Well, if they win a championship, let's say, he's going to write the book, right? What would the book be? Just, Clip City? Just just the, bir- the the birth of a new L.A. Started at the bottom, now we're here? Yeah. Clip City. Do you Forward write the book? Clipper, do you write the book while you just work for the Clippers? Yeah, I think you're just doing stuff the whole time. You're just making notes. He's got a pretty sweet gig. I, I've always... Director of Research and Identity. I, I was always a huge Lee Jenkins fan. I just think he was just very kind of old school, right? Just old school journalist, just not a hot takey, but he had takes because he did research and he knew a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he's like a real writer. (laughs) Yeah, people like him. He's a real writer. (laughs) Like you. 
like like me. I, I guy, you know, I used to forward you on emails, Johnny in the Box. That's right. I wrote for a Cal Poly because of Frank's, Frank Stranzel, who I'm pretty sure works for the uh, San Jose Earthquakes, who was the sports editor for the Cal Poly. What was it called? Oh, the Mustang Daily. Mustang Daily. Daily, yeah. Mustang Daily. You think the Mustang Daily even still exists? Yeah. Or is it all online? Oh, well. That what was the Fresno know. paper called? Uh, It was called... I don't know. Bulldog something? I remember Mustang Daily. Doggy Poop? Some, no. <laughs> uh, what was it called? How about It'll them dogs? It'll come back to me. Uh, I, I basically just tried to copy, just with my own... Sports takes Bill Simmons. That's all I, I mean. Because people forget, like in 05, 06, 07, 08. Yeah. Bill Simmons was like the guy any young person wanted to be like. He was funny. He was good. Everyone read him. Well, that's how when I was he, writing for the high school paper, Davis High, the hub, I was just copying Rick Riley. Yeah. The back of SI. He was pretty pretty good, too. Uh, so the difference line. was Bill wrote like 75,000 words and Rick Riley wrote like... 250 words. It's but like one-liners about everything. Rick Riley rarely disappointed. Oh, it was great. I was, I lo- Thursday, I loved it. Get the SI, see the cover, go straight to Rick. Do you think you'll tell your unborn children about this thing they once called Sports Illustrated? I will because I've got them in a box in my <laughs> closet somewhere at home, my parents' house. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, it, hell, it, Sports Illustrated might be called like. Did you see that? Like, and then the greatest day of the year would arrive: the SI swimsuit edition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! I don't think we got it. I don't. It hasn't come yet. And they're trying to get like different people to be independent contractors. Basically, just go like uh, SB Nation. No, and uh, you know all the journalists were furious. Oh really? Like you're trying to diminish the brand that this stood for. It shows you SI had such a head start. If they just would have pivoted. Not pivoted, but just got more interactive digitally probably 15, 10 years ago because their brand was, it resonated with every human that just casually likes sports, let alone the diehard guys. You, you just, you, and you, maybe it'll happen to us one day or whoever, you get so fat and happy because you're so, you know, you're making so much money, you're on top, you're just hesitant to change and then it screws you because that's what it did with SI, which is sad. You know, because I love that magazine. And I remember my mom, like five years ago, got it for me for my birthday. And I told her, like, a couple years later, just just cancel it. Like, it's because the, the, the magazine guy would come and it was a shell of itself. One, it was really thin. And a lot of the good articles would be like, you guys are just copy and pasting like Peter King's MMQB in here. I mean, this is, I've already read this. With less words. It was, yeah, it's just the times have changed. Sad days. Sad days. All right. This, can't live in the past, though. No, no, no. This podcast is brought... What is the equivalent of being on the cover of SI now? Trending? No. Everyone does that. Yeah, that's a good question. The equivalent of being on SI... I don't, I don't think there is one. I really don't. There's not... It's too... Everything's too splintered for there to be just one thing that... Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really think it exists. Like, name me if your picture was somewhere... Bad... Bad... Probably example. Dead spin. You, if it was like, or, yeah, wherever. We'd probably probably <laughs> not like frame it. But I'm just saying, like, it used to be, it, it, it was just such a big deal. That guy was the the front cover of SI. I, I don't I don't think it exists now. I, rem- I really don't. <laughs> I remember the first year I did the Kings pre and post game show on TV. 
Bobby Jackson went on TV. That was a big deal when those guys were on the front. Bobby Jack. Well, yeah, that SI cover. But Bobby Jackson goes on the postgame show and says that he could coach the team better than George Carl, basically. And that night I'm driving home and I get a text. I don't think it was from you. Normally this would be something you would find first, but it was from somebody else. And it just and it was just like, have you seen this yet? And it was a dead spin link. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, did it finally happen? Did I hit dead spin? Please God, no. And it was, I mean, I did, but nothing. It had nothing with me. It was just the Bobby clip. I was like, oh, whew. the Kings get mad at him. I don't know. I don't. Nothing happened. No, I mean, he works for the Kings. He's a coach now, <laughs> yeah, he's so no, he's fine. They, he was, yeah, again, right? They didn't like George. They Carl. didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, he knew what he was saying. But the point was just even that. Like now, it's. Because there was a point in time there where it's like if you if something hit dead spin, it was like oh shit, right? Bobby's Bobby's a cool motherfucker. Also, I'll, I'll I'll give him that. Yeah, I love the, Bobby. He's the best. Man. Remember when Bobby? There was you can say it now. He's probably skinnier. He was like struggling to fit in this jacket, and he buttoned it up, and he was popping kind of out of it. And he was like, his buddies were all texting him on air, like, "Bro, unbutton your jacket." Well, so what like, he did some- was he got the big iPad and he situated it right in front of himself. <laughs> <laughs> To cover up his stomach. The, oh, when you say God. the problem for a guy like that, and I don't blame him, you probably paid so much for some of these sweet goddamn jackets you have. You like 80 and suits. And you get a little I mean, bigger. I think he had like 80 suits, yeah. He had 80 suits? That's what he told me once. What does what Doug have? Doug at the time didn't have that many. Now Doug has majorly upgraded his suit game because he's on TV all the time. But the other, the other thing with Doug is, do you think Doug has fluctuated five pounds in the last 10 years? 10 years? Is Doug a healthy eater? Very. Oh, so that's it's not extremely, just extremely. Yeah. So he's he's not eating, you know, croissant witch from Burger King. No, you know, never, <laughs> never. Where where you'd see Middlecoff, Bobby, and Haberman all lined up if we were hungry. Bobby went to. Uh, I took him to Palm House one time, and he ordered the at Palm House. You can order a uh, an enormous margarita, an eighty dollar right? bowl that comes with eight straws and a rubber ducky floating in it. And these two dudes on our way out recognized him, and he gave them what was we had had half of the bowl, but it's a big ass bowl. They wanted a photo. He gave them the bowl, and it was uh, it was a highlight for them. When I went to my my one and only Golden One Kings game last year, and went with a bunch of buddies from college, and just a bunch of Davis people were there, so huge Kings fans that obviously grew up in the Bobby Jackson Doug Christie heyday. We go to the bar across the street. It's not even across the street. You could throw a fucking baseball and hit it. It's right there. It's it's actually a really cool setup. I highly recommend if you live in Northern California and you like can't go to a chase game, you can go to Golden One for probably half the price and the arena's really sweet and it's pretty cool. You could stay at a hotel, mm-hmm. there's a sweet steakhouse. Bobby Jackson comes in after the game with a couple other guys. Actually he might have been solo and just gets a comes to the main sweet steakhouse and gets a cocktail. And obviously, I know him through you, so I start talking to him, and everyone's looking at me like Middlecoff. How the fuck you know this guy? And because Bobby's just a nice guy, well, he, so I've never seen him like big league anybody, really, and he knows you because yeah, you talk treat, to him he, so many times. Yeah, we've, I've hung out with him a couple times. I saw him a bunch of Comcast. He treated me like we were known each other for a long, <laughs> long time. The relationship, like how, you and Bobby Jackson are boys, because we're like talking about golf. We're talking about a lot of shit. And uh, I became a legend that night with about twenty people from Davis. That's great. Well, the, because I mean, he's because doing like they're, they're, they're FaceTiming people to get Bobby to talk. You know, yeah. Just, and people, you got to know, you got to if you don't live in the Bay Area or if you're not a Northern California resident, you got to understand. For us, graduating high school in two thousand three, 
and our friends, Bobby's those Kings teams were those were our those were like that those were the biggest teams in our lives at that time. Those Kings teams well, with Bobby Jackson. I, I would say this guy before in like the last thirty years in Northern California, Warriors included, before the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, and then Kevin came, and those couple years before Kevin came, they were by far that couple year run the best team in Northern California over a thirty year run. Right. Not right. even close. Right. Yep. Like we believe it was cool. They were an eight seed. Like this team was the one seed. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're treated like champions. They are. They are. They re- no, they really are in Sacramento. But also, I, 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 I'm not the biggest Weber guy, but my experience, and you know him much better, with two of the key members in Doug and with Bobby are as cool and normal as you're going to get. Like, they are cool as shit. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's, it's not normal how normal they are. Right. They they honestly kind of have like a clay type vibe to them. Just pretty laid, laid back. They both made a shit ton of money, but they don't really act like it. Yeah. They've been famous for so long, so it probably doesn't affect them. But they're 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 two of my favorite humans in the sporting world. Yeah, they're great, man. They're great. The, so the night after the the night of the uh, Palm House Bowl, we then went to you talk about being cool. I took him to Mauna Loa, which has a Papa shot in the back. Yeah, and Bobby jumped on Papa shot and like. Ten minutes in, some dude walks up in like a Dirk jersey. It's like Bobby Jackson. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Just an NBA fan. Just yeah, just a, just an NBA. Dude, I- Do you think that guy, like five years later, is still like, bro? One time, I was out and about in the city, and I fucking walk into this little dive bar. They have a Papa shot. And I look, it is Bobby fucking Jackson playing Papa shot. He put up like a one twenty eight or a one thirty two or something on it. Speaking of the Mavs, I just saw some Bleacher Report highlights of Porzingis. Yeah. I mean, guy, he looks like a... I'm pumped for the Mavs. Looks like Clay so Thompson, but seven feet tall. I am pumped for the Mavs. <laughs> like, he you looks, tweeted, I think like you... a seven foot. You tweeted this on Wednesday. Like, remember when uh, the Knicks traded a unicorn for a uh, for the seventh over... What was the what was the trade? Number seven, yeah, and, like, I Dennis mean, Smith Jr.? I, I, don't even, I don't even know. Like, Dennis Smith Jr. and some ones. <laughs> Everyone's like, he demanded the trade! Like, yeah, that was part of it, but let's... Call a spade a spade here. The, it was a big picture move for those two motherfuckers, and everyone was like, "Listen, oh, that's what the tweet was." We get to get wants a Katie trade. and Kyrie. That's right. Yeah, we, we, if it gets Katie and Kyrie, it's worth it. And now you're just watching these highlights. Is that team going to be those two guys? If I was just playing NBA Jam, that wouldn't be a bad team to be right now. Be fun to be those two guys. No doubt. All right, this podcast is brought to you by Ease. Dot com and easewellness.com. The promo code is HAM. You get 20% off your first order. Share it with your friends. Ease.com, baby. Promo code HAM. We got THC. We got pre-rolls. We got vapes. Dabbled last night. Uh, helped me you know, feel bad for Kershaw. And uh, they got uppers, downers, you name it. Delivery. Like Uber Eats, DoorDash, to your front door. Then also our friends at easewellness.com. Promo code HAM. CBD. Uppers, downers, sleep aids, doggy treats, bath bombs. You, you want to take a relaxing bath? Just drop that little bomb in there, like the bubbles, and and, and you're chilling like a villain. Ease.com, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. There you go. 20 bucks off your first delivery with that promo code. If you've already used Ease, uh, then tell your friends about the promo code. We keep getting people. Keep DMing us your orders. We appreciate that. It's good to see everybody out there using it. Uh, this podcast also brought to you by my bookie. .ag, promo code is HAM, 
one or is somebody i got a video from somebody in my instagram dms and they said ham numeral one drinking on a saturday is what was happening there mybookie.he promo code ham one to activate the offer uh to double your first deposit if you want to do that then there you go that's how you do it well guy uh i told you i'd like the dodgers 25 to one or excuse me two and a half to one that's gonzo you can get the Yankees right now two to one. The Astros are still one point five to one. Somebody told me the, did, you did get, I see you can get the Rays at like plus two thirty five to win game five? Do you have that in front of you? Uh yeah, I do. You can get the Rays right now to win the whole thing at eighteen to one, which is by far which is quadruple mm. the second you know, like the cards and nats. This actually isn't terrible. If you take the cards or nats at four to one so whoever wins that just has to win the World Series. That's that's pretty good odds because whoever makes the World Series is going to be an underdog to the Yankees, Astros, maybe the Rays. But you, you would just it's baseball, weird shit happens, right? Uh you can get you can get the Rays tonight at you're just talking straight up bet them straight up. You can get them plus 215, so you bet 100 bucks you win 215. Mm-hmm. Not 35 to 1 mm-hmm. or whatever, but we got the other game as of recording this. It's a crazy thing. These Thursday night games come up pretty fast, so we've only got about five hours till the game. The New York Giants guy, Thursday night football, the Giants are not 0-5. They are 2-3. 2-3 team against a 5-0 team are a 17-point underdog. 17 points. I tweeted this the other day. I've been following lines pretty closely for like the last five or six years, but I've been casually doing it for probably... 10 I don't ever remember it's October this is not December 12th right now we're October 10th we have had five or six lines now part of that is Dolphins and the Redskins and the Jet or Dolphins and the Jets but over 17 plus that's that happens sometimes late in the season guy but the Dolphins and Jets have already counted multiple times for that and that it's not going to stop and the 17 points the, the Giants are not the Dolphins they're two and three 17 points. I kind of like the Patriots 17 points. <laughs> My bookie, Dot pro- promo code ham one. You you agree yeah. these lines are kind of outrageous this year yeah. on some of these bad teams? They're big. Did you get a response? Really did, did you? I know you asked the question. Did you get a, any clarity on how many? No, I mean, well, people might have responded. It was more just like, you know, this league's about the haves and the have-nots. There's a lot of people with takes on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's all about ownership. You know, you got the taking teams, and everyone had an angle, which I get. But, like this, I'm just looking at all the lines this week. Most are three, two, two, six, seven. 17 is massive, guy. Hell, this Bengals at the Ravens, this is a pretty big, 11 points. Remember when it was a double-digit line, and you'd be like, damn, You're that's right. a shitty team, right? You just get to 10 to 11. Now it's like 17, 18, 20, 21. You you know, I wonder, speaking of people just having half-baked theories, here's a half-baked theory for you. Now, one team is legitimately tanking, so that team is going to be huge. What about this theory? That gambling was always big. I'm not saying it, but it has grown exponentially, right? It's become easier to do. It's gotten bigger. More people Way more information out. I I wonder if the volume of people that are betting has grown, but maybe not quite the level of expertise that everyone is betting with. In other words, do you have just in in this mass of people, a lot more people that are kind of betting 
a little emotionally or the ma- yeah, the I, masses themselves just gotten bigger right so it's just it's easy to convince people oh the ravens are rolling the Bengals suck just take they'll cover that without a doubt what i i think there is infinitely more people over the last five or six years mybookie.ag promo code ham one placing like fifty dollar and a hundred dollar bets like i don't think the amount of people placing the ten thousand twenty thousand fifty thousand like the sharp guys probably has changed that much over the this period of time right but guys like I'm probably a bad example because I've you know casually bet for years. But just the guy that likes sports that now is like, oh, you can throw twenty dollars on games with my book. It's just easy, you know. It's it's very very easy. I, I think there are much more people, probably even under a hundred dollars, just betting twenty dollars a game, thirty forty dollars a or, game. Or, just, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. You're betting on props and like like you say, the masses are always, and I, I would include myself. Because I factor in emotional stuff. Like, you, you read about these betters. It's 100% numbers. Like, it's there is no, like, the Patriots or... It's almost teamless. It's just... They just base it off numbers and matchups and weather and history and previous numbers and consistency. Just, like, if the, there's a chance... I don't know. I haven't even looked. Like, the Sharps are all in tonight on the Giants, Right. For whatever reason. Right. Where I would say the casual guy would be like, oh, Patriots going to kill him. Saquon's out. And then all of a sudden you're like, God, this game's tight at halftime. It's 7 not seven, and the, and the gamblers will tell you, well, after the fifth week on Thursday night football, even the road teams, when they're a double-digit favorite, has covered 90% of the time. It'd just be some random stat. And you're like, well, well, fuck, Brady, Daniel Jones, they don't even care. You know? It has nothing to do with Danny Dimes or even Tom. Now, I, I, the Patriots are allowing, like, six points a game. So, Danny Dimes. I, I feel like for as cool as the Danny Dimes, that opening game that he had against the Bucks, where he was making just incredible plays. If you just type in Danny Dimes, Bucks, YouTube, highlights, it's like, holy, is this Patrick Mahomes Jr.? It could be the complete opposite tonight, where at the end of the game, about 8 o'clock at night, there have been thousands of anti-Danny Dimes tweets. Right. Like, this guy sucks. Like, no wonder. Like, now it's back because remember, we're like, oh, Gettleman's kind of feeling himself now. It's like, Gettleman, you goddamn idiot. <laughs> and it, I mean, How dare you put him the, out there on this team? When the reality is, like, the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world would probably get smoked tonight well, on might, the road in New England. Yeah, it might look like Baker looked on Monday. Eight for 22, 100 yards. If I gave you right now over under... 135 yards tonight from Danny Dimes. Best secondary in the league. Yeah, Short I, week. I just no weapons. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like is this a 60 yard road game? This game's in New England. In New England, yeah. I mean, it's a t- tough spot for Danny. That, this is where Dwayne Haskins doesn't play. I know that. This is why Bill Callahan uh, wants to run the rock, John. Yeah. All right. Uh, I had forgotten. Did you know Bill Callahan? I mean, we all knew was it. Was the coach at ne- Nebraska? Yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of crazy? Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we get to the 49ers, some McGlinchey, Juszczyk, Sala, some NFL headlines. I, I thought Wednesday was one of the more devastating baseball doubleheaders. It was the total opposite. Like, it's everyone loves the sports talk topic. Like, would you rather lose when you know it's over early or have your heart ripped out like the Dodgers did? And the answer so would is, you rather be the Braves or the Dodgers? Right, and I and I'd rather I don't this I don't even want to debate it. I've had that conversation one million times, but I will say, both what would you rather be 
Both are def- I'd rather be the Dodgers. Both are devastating. We've talked about I this a million I, times. Look, I think I, I think the Braves though is the easier one to land on. Sure, that's fine. Uh, uh, both of them are devastating. And I your thought, calls next at one eight hundred ham. And I thought <laughs> lines are fill it up. We want to hear from you. I thought um, both games. Now I'm not saying Bruce Bochy wins both games, but I thought the, both of those games were Bochy. There is no way Bochy leaves Mike Fultonevich in the game when it's 2 nothing after he's walked in a run. And there is... Did they have a guy up in the pen? Uh, it took a, it was a couple more... Ba- I think the next guy gets a double, and then they go to Max Fried, yeah. And then uh, the whole Dodger, the Dave Roberts thing was... Now, I don't know. It's hard to crush Dave without fully knowing. Was this the way that him and the baseball operations team just planned out the game beforehand and he had to... St- Stick to the script. I don't know, but uh, both both those games were just, in their own ways, absolutely d- demoralizing. Demoralizing. Yeah, to me, given that the Braves game, I'm with you, but it could, it might not have made that big of a difference. You're right. In the Braves it game. might not have, but you can't let a guy who just walked in a run after he already. And I know there'd been an air, there'd been a bloop. You just got to You got to get him. You do not have time for this. You would say one of the best players of his era. You you probably could argue it'd be like him or Verlander for the best, most accomplished pitcher of his era. Now, Bumgarner postseason wise, but I in baseball the regular season means a lot more than most sports. And he's done. What is he at? Four or five Cy Youngs. He's been incredible. He's one of the best players in the history of their franchise. It's not really arguable anymore. Like. I, I hate using the word choke, but for whatever reason, like, is he, does he have a little Peyton Manning? He's thinking too much. Is it just now he's at the point where he's just older? He can't get it done. He's one of the best players in the history of one of the most iconic franchises ever. And, and whenever anyone's going to think of him, like, it's not, today is not just heat of the moment. I do think this is kind of going to be an elephant just in the room on his career when you're talking about Clayton Kershaw, unless he's able to get over the hump in the next couple of years, which, they're not going away. Maybe he'll go away from me and put in those spots. How does this happen to this human being, guy? I've, it's, it's one thing to like, you know, he just can't get it done. He walks a guy. He hits a guy. He's giving up fucking moon shots. Moon shots. I mean, I've argued They're against it for a few one. years. He's won three sides. I've argued against it for a few years because I've hated it. Because I'm like, let's, I just watch him. I'm with you. I don't, I don't think he's choking, right? I have never thought that. But you can't but, be at the guy at the bar now and be like, but you know, la- it's, just, it's a fake narrative. After last night, I, it's undeniable that something, that whatever it is, I don't, I don't even think, we don't have to get to the bottom of it. We just know it, it is. It just is. Him in the playoffs is not the same. Now, part of this too, right, is his team has gotten, as time has gone on, his team's gotten really good. He's in all these playoff games. Now he's past his prime. Like, he's not that guy anymore. That was, you know, Cy Young, 2011, Clayton Kershaw. But now the good news for him, he's 31. They're going to keep being in the postseason. Even if he's not the guy you go to out of the bullpen, he'll probably still start some postseason games. But those haven't been good either. So it's been better. He's he's had moments that yeah. were better than. Well, I mean, you get more pitches. You get you give up back to back home runs in the first inning of a five inning start. You can bounce back. But, Coward had a take today that was like. Uh, you know, historically in the playoffs, he's terrible after the sixth inning. 
So you put him in in the eighth. Well, yeah, he hasn't pitched the other seven, but it's psychologically. And I was like, I don't know if psychologically, just because it's later in the game, like what if it was the equivalent of the Brave situation, you bring him in the first. I think it's more that he just doesn't have the shit to get people out. Yeah. And those two guys. He faced the two, like, the two best hitters on that team. Two of the best in hitters a vacuum, in baseball. I mean, th- those are two of the best players in the sport, right? Right now. Yeah. If, if you just did a draft from scratch, would Juan Soto make it past five? No. I'm just all the position players in baseball, age matters too. No. Does he go top two? I mean, Trout goes one, and he might go second. Yeah. If I took Judge. Juan Soto over Trout, would would I be called the Village Idiot? Or uh, Mookie Betts? You talk, You're right. Mook, your I, probably Trout and Mookie Betts go one. Huh? I'd say Trout and Mookie Betts probably go Trout one. Trout goes two, one. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, you could take Soto two as far as I'm concerned. Like that guy is when you're factoring age and money, especially. But I, yeah, he's incredible. I, I just did your heart drop first, Kershaw. Yeah, when he when that happened. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him. Yeah, and, and the I felt I got after he first of I all Rondon. I feel bad for him. That was a bad matchup for him. But to leave him in there after he gives up that home run to face Soto, man, and that ball was absolutely killed. Well, I, I was texting with some people. Let's just use the Bay Area sports. And they clearly example. didn't trust Jensen. Anyway, go ahead. Like, if you're Kershaw in, like, a month, you just want to go out to dinner, you know, you live in fucking wherever, and I don't know where he lives in L.A., but wherever he lives. And he wants to just go to a nice dinner. Typically, a guy like Kershaw, even if you've had some bad moments, when he walks into a place, everyone's so excited he's there. It'd be the equivalent, you know, like, it's not the equivalent, but... When, like, Clay shows up or Bumgarner shows up or now, like, George Kittle shows up. Like, everyone's so excited to see the guy. Even if George Kittle, let's say this season in the first round, has, like, a Tony Romo moment where he fumbles at the goal line at the cost of the game. Like, people would forget about it a week later. He's still your guy. He's going to get over the hump. I don't think there's anyone, at least in my lifetime, that I can remember in this area. I know Steve Young had a couple moments, right, when he first took over from Montana. Because I remember my dad was like, he'll never be Joe. Never be. But then he did win the Super Bowl and he won the MVP. Like, it can't even be denied. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and he won the Super Bowl. So, like, when Steve Young, who I think still lives down by San Jose, like, walks in someplace, like, that's fucking Steve Young. There is something with this guy, like, in L.A., what do you think about, like, Sandy Koufax or Kobe Bryant or, you know, Kawhi Leonard or whoever. You know, hell, like, Blake Griffin. This guy walks in, everyone's, oh, there's Clayton Kershaw, but you're kind of looking at him like, he just can't get it done. <laughs> like, that is in the back. How do you ever shake that? If they never win a World Series, now the World Series will shake it. If they just win it and he's on the team and he's one of their starters, yeah. even if he's like the third or fourth guy, right? Like Zito style. Zito is the first but, guy I think of, although it's not probably not totally fair to Clayton, but yeah. But if he if they never win it, which there's a chance because this sports is weird, right? It's just, it's not, if this was basketball, they would have been guaranteed a championship probably these last three or four years, right? They just would have won one because the best team typically wins one. Like, guy, they can't make it out of the first round. But it, well, but they can't. I mean, they've lost it, in the World Series. They've lost in the World Series. No, I know. But I'm just saying, like, if a, if the equivalent of that happened in basketball or football, it'd be enormous. In baseball, it doesn't feel as crazy, right? Like, they did lose a Scherzer, Strasburg, like, Rendon. Like, that team is it's just hard to win a series in baseball. Yeah, I mean, Soto is Soto and Rendon might be the two best hitters in the series. I'm just saying, how does he ever the, shake it, guy? Yeah, I... 
in his own not. town where he should be where he should be held like royalty. But if I'm a, if I'm an LA guy and I love the Dodgers, I still like like them, but I, I don't quite look at them the same. I don't trust them, and that kind of sucks. You just don't really. You could, how could you trust them? It had to be in the back of your mind. Like, are we sure we want to do this? I know. I and would like, not oh. have. I would not have done it when their whole thing was like they're going to Kershaw next. I'm like, I, I thought. So what did he do? He pitched three batters. He, he got well, he one sh- out and two bombs. Yeah. Well, he strikes out. Who did he face? Um, Lefty. Uh, Ether. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? The guy they traded to, from the White Sox. Um, who was on the Dodgers a long time ago, right? So. He, he, when when they take the lead in that game, I honestly felt like the game was over when the Dodgers got up early. But then you start thinking like, well, what are they going to do after? Once Walker Bueller's out of this game, the Nats have a shot. Every like two or three innings, the Nats will have a shot. The innings that those guys come up, they have a chance. The problem is everyone else stinks in their lineup. As it turned out, Howie Kendrick came through. He was one of the guys I thought stunk. Not stunk, but just like the, the only guys that were going to create runs created runs, the two of them. And then Howie actually got the big fly. But I just didn't, I just couldn't believe they were doing it. I couldn't believe they were doing it. Now, part of it was they had a closer they didn't trust. But Ma- Maeda's I, been their best guy. Joe Kelly pitching for that long was crazy. It was just. Do, do you agree that the, the bigger wow moment of the game was the two home runs by Kershaw more than the Grand Slam? Obviously, the grand slam led to the win, but the Kershaw yeah, moment I mean, the was second, like a historic, historic the, moment. The Soto home run, yes, but what I still thought at that point was the Dodgers have played in so the Dodgers had so many freaking walk offs this year, and I don't think I think the Nats can only score like every three innings when that part of their lineup comes up. That's how I felt at the time. So I how still felt like. I still felt like the net. And then Corbin, like, all of a sudden Corbin in a tight game is like, oh, not that sharp. I, I, I thought it was one of the bigger, you know, kicks in the dick you'll ever see. The two home from that guy, like the elephant in the room, then he does it. I, I, I just, because I know the way I felt watching it, I can't imagine being... John Middlecoff, born and raised in L.A., at that game or watching that game, the feeling I would have had. Like, I, I, it's hard to kind of I know. reach deep. But like, then we've done Will, this a lot. Will Smith almost, almost, like, Will Smith almost hit the, the walk-off home run in the bottom of the inning. Are the, God, are the baseball gods against this human? Do I know. Not, do they want to limit Kershaw's historical place and our franchise's place? Because I, I thought I, I had a guy I went to college with, diehard Dodger fan. I'm like, you know, worst case, you'll just be the Braves. Right, you'll have like eight, ten straight years of kicking ass, and you'll win the one, and it'll, it'll feel still pretty sweet. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> You'd think, but there's no guarantee they ever win one. No. Now I do love Walker Bueller. He's my favorite Dodger by far. But they just he's pretty, don't. He's pretty sweet. Like like Bellinger, bad postseason. What do you have? Like four hits. Yeah, I mean when you when you fucking try to hit one to Long Beach every at bat. You know, this isn't like, hey guys, maybe the mad dog in me. Let's choke up and go the other fucking way when you got two strikes. Now, I get the Farhans and the the Billies and the Zaydes and like Farhan Zaydes are the same guy. But they're just teaching, you know, just supercut. When I went to the 49er game the other day, I took our buddy Brian Hawkins. He played with a guy at Cuesta 
who is now J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner. And this guy had never really made it, but he was a big believer just as a player on the getting the ball in the air. And then somehow he linked up with J.D. Martinez, right, like ten, less than 10 years ago. His career has taken off. You know who he's the hitting coach for right now? The L.A. Dodgers. And he's like, our age, you know. But that's his philosophy. You know, he's swing up, right? Get the ball in the air. That's why when I heard an interview about six months ago from Dusty Baker, and Dusty Baker said, he was like, you know, whatever he's doing for the Giants now, he's like, it was the first time since, because when you're managing, you don't go around to the minor leagues during the season. When doing this job, it's kind of cool, right? You get to go see all these players, kind of get your hands on them. But he's like, when you go to batting practice now in the minor leagues, and for a guy like Dusty, old school, he's like, it made me want to puke. I see them nonstop hitting the top of the batting cage, where in my entire life, it was drive the ball, drive the ball, drive the ball, drive the ball. That is not what's taught anymore. And we're, that's the only thing is to get the ball in the air, get the ball in the air, get the ball in the air. And I think sometimes when you do that, because Stanton's a good example. Now, I think he's hitting, he was okay in the series. Now, granted, the Twins were terrible. They kicked the shit out of him. But, like, you can get after him in big spots because he's just trying to swing for the fence. He's not really choking it up and going the other way. He's not Tony Gwynn here. And I think that's the problem sometimes with the Dodgers. Like, that's why I have have faith, like, when Justin Turner comes up. Like, this guy's just, he's going to hit some home runs, but I feel like he's going to give a good A-B. He's going to get just some wood on the fucking ball. When I watch Cody Bellinger, it it almost feels like he's either going to hit a double off the wall, a home run, or it's a strikeout. Well, yeah. And that's that's sometimes a problem though if that's your best what player. Like I don't even. Do you feel like that with Soto or Rendon? Because I don't. We're like Goldschmidt. That's why. No, is that's that why most, those teams are that's advancing. Just, that's just most guys. So I, guys. I just. And that's where this guy's got pitching. A, I mean, elite pitching is elite pitching. Now is Corbin elite pitching? Well, I mean, he's paid like an elite pitcher. Is there any player in the history of sports? that at least we can speak on in our lifetime that has the tainted resume yet as a great player and a great guy. Like, I don't look at Harden. Like, I think people think Harden's kind of slappy, whatever. You know, there were probably, you know, Harden, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook. Like, I'd say Clayton Kershaw's better than those guys. Now, maybe Harden is probably a good, good parallel for Kershaw. No, I don't think – I don't think Hart like, I think Harden's still – he's got a ways to go. Uh, like – it's different Chris when Paul. you're a pitcher. No, I, I, to me, it's hard for a basketball player. Like, I never. I, what what Chris Paul team should have won championships? Like I, like uh, the that one Clipper team that beat the Warriors. Yeah, that lost to the uh, the Rockets, up three one. Yeah, that maybe. was a championship. I, I just game. I have a heart. Like to me, the baseball one is so much worse because you're the pitcher that just gives up the home run. Yeah, because Chris Paul can just blame James Harden. It's like, hard hey, for me to have a basketball. Shot. I mean, to me, it's quarterbacks and pitchers are just in a different starting pitchers and closers. Okay, is there a quarterback that you can think of that just... I mean, Peyton for a long time. But then but he, he shook that twice. Yeah, he shook it, but that's where it was with him. But it was a shorter period of time, right? It was from like 2000 to 2005. This guy's had it now for like 10 years. Really? It wasn't longer than that for Peyton? Well, he came in the league in 98, and he won a Super Bowl in 07. So, it, I think it was – it really heated up from, like, 02 to, like, 05. It was just so extreme. Yeah. And he, he kept losing to the same team who then kept winning the championship. That That's kind of what made that it. That, to me, is – It's the, different with Kershaw. Yeah, but that that's the comp to me, was Peyton before he won. 
But then he, but like his career ends, and now you just look at him like two-time champion. Went to a couple, went to three. But we World still Series, do kind of acknowledge that. That I do. I, I, you know. I actually think he's not. If you were picking of the last like fifty years, I'd go like five guys at least before I'd pick him in a big game. And he's easily one of the best players I've ever seen any sport. Right. He he, one million percent would not be your number. You know, let's say you couldn't pick Brady. I don't think Manning would even be in the discussion for most people. As like, you had to win one game. What quarterback would you want? Unless you're like a diehard Colts fan, I don't think anyone would pick Peyton. Do you? No, I think Tony Bennett had that at Virginia before they won last year. They kind of had that thing going, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Sometimes you get it with coaches for sure. Yeah, you do. You're. Right. I mean, Dan Tony. You get it with he's coach not Kershaw level, but. Andy. Andy Reid. Yeah, that's a really good one. That's a great one. Hardball right now. Who has a – like, who would you say as a great coach, would you say Andy has more respect than Harbaugh with the casual guy? Yeah. And the non-casual, the hardcore. Yeah. I, I do think there's a strong segment that, like, I wouldn't say fraud, but just thinks Harbaugh's legitimately overrated at this point. Yeah. And like you said, he's the only guy in America that consistently can go like 10-3 and three and you're like, poor shit, man. Just, you, we talk about him like he won four games. He brings it on himself, but it's like people act like Michigan would just runs itself, where it didn't before he what showed up. Would average like six wins a year for seven years before he showed up. So, I know he can't beat yeah. Ohio State. He's got to beat Ohio State. But, yeah, that, well, that thing well, is. You, I'd say this year, like you, you can lose to Urban Meyer. Like, he had four straight years, Urban Meyer got him. But at the end of the day, like, Urban Meyer's better than Jim Harbaugh. We all, even if you're Jim Harbaugh's wife, you'd acknowledge that. You can't lose to Ryan Day. But the problem is, I'm watching Ryan Day's team, like, I think they're a lot better than Jim Harbaugh's team. Uh, This Shea Patterson character stinks. I saw Albert Breer wrote uh, kind of like, you know, like a ten, just like ten things of, like, prospects. And one of them was a guy that, told him this offseason like yeah I don't an evaluator on Shea Patterson was like I don't see one thing that he does well hmm. and then that guy his quote was like I fucking told you like that's what he told you like you know his response to him like last week uh-huh. about Shea Patterson uh-huh. who he basically said like this guy's gonna be an undrafted free agent and he's the undrafted free agent where he's not like oh he's an undrafted free agent like compete for practice squad like you're talking just a guy that bring you into camp to get you through to practice like he ain't, but on some, but at no some point, NFL don't career. we say to be like if I'm going to go counterpoint, like Jim, how many quarterbacks can you have that either don't develop or you choose wrong? I, I'm not using that as a defense or an excuse <laughs> of Jim. I'm just stating that just in a vacuum, as Shea Patterson, which is a reflection of Jim. Like Jim, why do you keep starting this guy? One, two, haven't you recruited someone that can beat him out? Three, and just in a vacuum, Shea Patterson stinks. Like he's not. I'm watching him going. How is this guy starting for a team that's, in theory, trying to compete for the playoffs? I think there's a well, lot well, of bad... Ohio, Ohio State's got this dude that looks like Kyler Murray, but bigger and a better I arm. I do think there's just a lot, mostly bad quarterbacks in college football. Yeah, it's hard to find him. Like Christian McCaffrey's brother, how many times do you think Harbaugh's given him the opportunity to beat this guy out and he can't? Yeah, Max, right? Is it Max? Well, I, I remember watching tape of that guy. Again, when I say tape, like YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And I thought the same thing of Keller Chris, Jeep's son. I was like, God, this guy's luck. Andrew Luck, right? And what happened to him? He just, not that good. It's, it's really difficult. Well, one thing we've learned, 
Really difficult to play quarterback. You heard it here first on Hayden Wilcott. <laughs> uh, especially with your two tackles out and your best and your one of your best playmakers, your fullback. I mean, God, but that's what uh, Jimmy G's got ahead of him this week. So when we did the pod the other day, we knew Juszczyk was going to be out. We just didn't quite know to what extent. And then Wednesday, Mike McGlinchey has like sudden arthroscopic knee surgery. And the Niners all of a sudden have like a – That was sneaky out of a nowhere. Like what? It was crazy. It was just like, oh, by the way, announced today at the press conference. The Niners all of a sudden have – if we made a list of their best players, the two guys that they lost this week would be really high on the list, right? I mean, Kittle I would be one. We... Bosa would be two? Uh, yeah, they'd be high. Buckner – Buckner, I mean Jimmy, Staley, who injured. But wouldn't you say McGlin- is who's better? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I think if you had like a draft, every team would take McGlinchey right now. Uh, you could make the argument Uzcheck would be higher than McGlinchey. Yeah, on that you're, list. you're talking. Both of these guys are importance to this team and just talent. Top seven or eight players on the team. Then when you factor in the dude fucking plays right tackle, you're like, oh, just. Well, at least your left your left tackle's also gone. Guy, they are starting someone, at least from fullback. I was watching McVay's press conference. He's like, yeah, you know, Kyle's – this happens sometimes in your offense. You, you lose that player. You can. That's why you have the extra – they have Dwelly. You know, the dude is Dwelly – was he a Stanford guy? Uh, maybe he's not. But he was on the team last year. Uh, and, you know, he was an undrafted free agent. I don't think he is. I, they, they drafted another Stanford guy, Caden Smith, but they cut yeah. him. He's but Dwelly, because Dwelly beat him out, and Dwelly can just do that. Now, not anywhere close to. He played at San Juszczyk. Diego, John. But you just go. Dwelly is an NFL player, guy. The guy they were filling in for McGlinchey was in the AAF, and I think we said oh, the AAF's a great, you know, opportunity for dudes to get a look. Was and that's true? It was was yeah for three because it, it went bankrupt. It folded. I, I don't think anyone thought like you know they're going to be starters. And if you went, well, if I told you this, listen, a couple guys from this AAF league are going to make it in the NFL. You'd be like, if you had to guess the positions, you'd be like, oh, I bet there's like a guard, you know, maybe maybe like a... A gunner. Like a yeah, slash special teams player. A, a kicker or a punter. What if I went, you know, for one of the best teams in the league, 4-0, right tackle. You're like, whoa, how'd that guy... How'd that guy get grass? by everybody? Exactly, yes. And then you realize he didn't get ruined by anybody... The 49ers are just on like their seventh and eighth tackle. If luckily if they've been Kyle working guys keep, out for a while. If Kyle can keep doing this guy, like if if they win this weekend with with this unloaded gun, it'd be pretty incredible. Like it's one thing, and if this Justin School, well Justin School, they did draft him right, and he was just there, so he just becomes the starter when three guys go down. Right. This one's way crazier in School, wouldn't you admit? Yes. Well, part of what the makes dude it crazy starting tackle from the AAF. Well, and part of what makes it crazier is you've already done the thing with school, right? If Joe Staley's your left tackle, this is less crazy. How proud though is is the guy's name is like Steve Spurrier? Or, uh, no, no, the guy from the AAF, his agent that told him, "Listen, you bounce around in practice squads, go to the AAF, you'll get a look." And now he's calling him today, like, "Bro, you're starting." For a four and fucking forty nine er team at right tackle. Nice. It Who are we worked. playing? Well, about that, Aaron Donald. <laughs> it it worked. Yeah, that's pretty great. I I would say the one thing the Niners have going for them 
if you're going to play with AAF players at offensive line, is Kyle does like to run the ball. And it is easier for, like in basketball, if you can just ask your backups to do role player stuff, pass, rebound, play defense, it's easier for when, like, we need you to score 15. Like, only so many guys can do that, right, in the NBA, like, replacement level guys. In football, if I ask, I'm going to need you, okay, I'm going to need you to drop back to pass protect 50 times, we're playing the Bears. You're like, uh, we got problems. But if I go, listen, we're only going to throw it 18 times the whole game. You can manage that. And, or let's say 18 would be pretty low. Let's say 25 attempts. But 12 of those 25 attempts are off play action. It's a little easier. Do That's you, where I think Kyle's offense comes into play. You think it'd be worse if it was a guard with this, but not for the next six weeks, but just this specific matchup with the Rams? Well, wouldn't you? Well, if you were Wade Phillips, wouldn't you just line Aaron Donald up either on one of those no, two tackles? It's what we'll see. I mean, you would. That's what I kind of think, but I, I the Niners got a little lucky that, as Chris Long said, the first ever player to break his jaw and walk off the field that NHL players never done that. Do you know that Clay Matthews had had like a. I think he, you know, the last couple of years had been a shell of himself in Green Bay. I think he had three sacks last year. I'm pretty sure he had like six this season before he broke his jaw. So you had Clay Matthews on one side, Dante Fowler, who kind of just, remember it went from top five bust to this guy's actually a pretty good player. Part of that's probably playing next to Aaron Donald. But if you said Clay Matthews, Dante Fowler, and Aaron Donald, be like, I don't know how you block these guys. I feel a little bit better that it's just two guys instead of three, but it's still really hard because I, I, I think I'll be floored if this guy doesn't, if Aaron Donald doesn't get 10 snaps minimum over the AAF player. It's like, oh, hey, Steph, uh, who's checking you tonight? Oh, this, you brought up this dude from the G League. Like, okay, I'm eating. I, I think you have to look at it a little like NBA. Like, if you're Wade Phillips... You know, they're in a must-win game, too. I'm getting the best player on my team by a wide margin right now. I'm lining him up on your weakest link. And you'd feel a little better about that if you had Kyle Juszczyk, but you don't have him either. So now it's like, what's Kittle supposed to do? Play like seven roles? Yeah. We can, but he, but he he can't do like, you know, because like in a pinch, you could be like, well, we'll put Dwelly. We'll put Dwelly on the line. And we'll have line up Kittle in the backfield, which they might do. But also, do you want, can you risk Kittle like one-on-one with a linebacker getting hurt? That's where you're just like, I don't really want to do that. I do think, I mean. Would you the, say we'll, Kittle and Juszczyk are two of the most versatile players in the league? Like yeah. we talk about the OW. Well, Is Kittle an OW? Well, yeah, John, I asked you this and you had the answer for me. But to see Kittle run that like jet sweep, whatever you call that, motion handoff where the quarterback's under center, he goes in motion, quarterback takes the snap, turns, hands it to him as he's going in motion behind the line of scrimmage and then tries to turn the corner. Like, how many tight ends in the history of the sport have run that play? You probably, said Vance McDonald I mean, ran it in college. But it's that's just, one of the reasons they liked him because he was so, such a good athlete. I'll give you another name. I was about to say RIP, and then I, does a guy deserve an RIP or we just give compassion infinity? Is Aaron Hernandez was that type guy? Just say the late. Yeah, the late Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, but it's just not many of those. But those guys that also block, like that's it's just crazy. I, so, yeah, I mean, he is an OW Kittle. So here's the schedule now. We'll talk more about the matchup on Friday's podcast. We'll have another pot out. Uh, so the Rams this week, then Washington on the road, 
then Carolina, and by keep in mind, we're talking four to six weeks was the report on both these guys. Juszczyk didn't have surgery. McClinchy did. October 31st, that's a Thursday night Halloween Cardinal game. That's four weeks. Don't play that weekend, obviously, and then play Monday night football November 11th. It's a big advantage if you can win that Thursday night game because then it's like your second bye of the year, right? It's shitty when you lose because I I was watching just McVay's press conference yesterday, and you watched like Pete. I didn't watch Pete Carroll's, but they're in the same situation. One team was kind of feeling themselves for the last seven days, getting to rest, recover, feeling good about a win, playing good football. The other team, it's like you kind of go on a bye, and even McVay's like, you got to give everyone a rest, but we got shit to figure out here. Like <laughs> This is not going well. We got problems. So it's not like, you know, take the next five days off. You're just like, fuck, we need to we need to hammer some stuff out here. Well, but you do feel like you you said this a lot going into the Browns game. You break the, break the schedule up into quarters. You feel okay, Rams, Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals. You got a shot to go two and two even with these injuries in those four games, right? Yeah. Well, the and Redskins they, are – we'll see if like it looks that dramatically different. They do play the Dolphins this week, so in theory they should win. But they stink. I mean, they, they are really, really bad. And then the Cardinals are bad too, but that you said that Thursday night game is it's there. on the road. Yeah, it's there. Is it fair to say that anytime you're doing a Thursday night game, even if you're healthy, wouldn't you say past like all Thursday night games kind of start feeling the same past probably October 1st? Like the if you, if you get the Thursday night game week two, isn't that a huge advantage for both those two teams? Like, you're still relatively fresh. You haven't played any games. Like, you, you get the Thursday night game, like Thanksgiving week. You're like, Jesus Christ, we're 12 games in here. I'm exhausted. The Niners are kind of right at the point when you're pretty freaking exhausted. Because their bye week, they kind of got screwed. I, I wouldn't say screwed, but I wonder if the reason they gave them the bye week so early is because their Thursday night game's a little later. I don't know. I'd have to look, like, how it works with every team. I don't know. It'd probably be hard to control to make every team equal. Yeah. But you give them the bye week, week three or four, then if I give you a Thursday night game, like, what, what was the date? November 1st type? Uh, early no, November? Halloween. God, Thursday night Halloween. That's a pretty, that's a solid night. Yeah. So, well, here's the like, other thing. Do you, they don't do you, play the Rams. I'll give you one. Like, do you feel as good about the Panthers are playing pretty good football, guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a McCaffrey thing to me. Where's that game? Home. You 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 should be like if you're the Robert Sala of the defense, you're like if we can't beat Kyle Allen. I do think that, so. That's what I'm saying. It's like I, I think there's a chance you go three and one, but that do would Dwayne, do you get Dwayne Haskins you, next week? You might, although if you're not going to play Dwayne against the Patriots, we'll see how the Niners defense looks this week. I do think when we talk about the schedule now, six weeks out, did Colt McCoy have any success? Yeah, no. Well, they're going with Keenum this week. They are. Yeah. He, so it feels like Dwayne, they're either getting Colt or Keenum, not Dwayne. They're not. I guess maybe. I guess they could get Dwayne. I don't know if they go Jay's back gone. to Colt, but. Yeah, you're right. The good news for the Niners. How many fucking quarterbacks they have on their active I, roster? I guess in all this is the Rams and Seahawks are weeks 16 and 17. Hopefully, you know, it would suck if what they do with the Cardinals, they do with one of those two teams where, like, they play the Cardinals twice in three weeks. It would suck if. In the midst of these injuries, you ended up playing the Seahawks twice in three weeks or the Rams twice in three weeks. They got they got lucky there for sure. To me, they got they got very lucky 
They didn't get lucky. They they earned it, handled their business 4-0. But then they went through a stretch of their schedule where they lost guys to not like devastating injuries, but where I'm not going to see it for a month. And I got a chance to still probably, you never say easy because the NFL weird stuff happens. But like well-coached teams, your defense is top-notch. I can go two and two. Hell, guy, I go one and three. This is part of going four and out. Oh, you're still five and three, and then I got guys coming back. And if I go five and three again, I'm ten and six. That that to me is the huge buffer of going four and out. Oh. You could now have a devastating stretch where you go one and three, and it's not you're not out of the playoff picture, right? You'd still be right in the mix. Right. Like if you're five and three, you're probably one game behind Seattle or something, right? They'd be six and two. Maybe the Rams are five and three too. Well, you'd be you'd going be... right into a game with them on Monday Night Football. So the question is, do you get use check back by then? That's five weeks basically. Well, what, what about Akella Weatherspoon, who's you know, I, I'll give Emmanuel Mosley. I've watched that play a couple times. E-man? It was a really, really nice. It was touchdown saving play. Like that's that's something you see from like the Jalen Ramseys, and that's the the natural timing of what I don't think people realize. Like just. I remember catching balls for Derek at Fresno State, and I'd drop like every other ball just for a drill because he's throwing it so hard. Well, if you're a DB and you're running full speed, when the ball's coming, when you put up your hands as a receiver, you're not timing it as much once the ball is like within a 10-yard radius because it's going to kind of run into your hands. When you PBU it, you have to time it pretty fucking perfectly, especially against guys that are throwing kind of ropes, right? Like Baker doesn't have a weak arm. That that ball was... well thrown. That was an impressive yeah. play. And, and he was playing a bunch against a bigger receiver, right? Ricky Seals yeah, Jones, that, a big guy. I, I, I like that. Uh, I was impressed. Maybe Rich Sherman was on something. Like, this guy Maybe. can make plays. Yeah, I just... If you had to go right now, do you, would you say 2-2? Two and Because two? If, if you tell me they'd be 6-2 and two, eight games in to start the season, whether injuries or not injuries, everyone's taking that. Yeah, Every I mean... Every single person. Given the way... Let's see how they play the Rams because I I'm not giving up on three and one just because I think every, those other three teams after the Rams are like you said Carolina's been playing well it's Kyle Allen Washington's Washington the Arizona one is on the road on a Thursday night so we'll see but like do you feel confident the Niners can win this game or would you say they're kind of at a disadvantage right now Oh, they're definitely the, the... yeah they're definitely at a disadvantage but um. You do agree it's must win for LA? We'll talk about it Friday more. I think it's more about Kyle and Jimmy G. But yeah, I think because if you're the Rams and you lose to this version of this team, how do you justify that you're the second best team in the league after you after, in the division after you just lost to Seattle? Like how do you get back? It's I mean it's tough. Cuz then tough. you got to go you got to you will get Seattle at home but you'll still have to go to San Francisco. Well, one injury I'm keeping an eye on and it might end up being a game time decision, but he's already got the knee arthritis. I guess he took like a he got a hit in the quad really bad, you know, like an NFL version of a child. You know, he's got the quad contusion. Is I don't know if Todd Gurley is some lock to play Sunday. It seemed now, he didn't practice. Talib didn't practice. Who's kind of messed up too? They'll be. Game, you know the like top, said, game top, time. I, I heard a good stat on Gurley. So far this season, he only has six runs of ten plus yards. Like he's just not really an explosive player anymore. Well, he had a ton of carries in that Seattle game. Did he look explosive on any of them to you? No, I mean, he did, that's where the first time I've noticed because I'm like, God, I don't. That's why I've said he's like the great conundrum because I've thought, I've seen some plays early in the season where I'm like, God, he still looks pretty quick. I thought the Super Bowl last year when he just got a little carries, like, God, he still looks. I thought in that game for the first time, like this guy's just one speed. There's no second gear. That's 
that to me is a little concerning in the sense that, one, like, are you sure, guys, that your backups don't give you a better look than this guy, even if he is healthy? Now that he's not healthy, remember they drafted a guy in the third round. I think is the Bears guy Montgomery. I, I forget whoever their guy is that McVay said yesterday he's going to play. Because you, you look around the league, the running back class, the rookie running back class, the Eagles guy has struggled, the kid from Penn State, Sanders. The Bears guy, who actually doesn't look bad. but That's they, David Montgomery, Nag- yeah. That's David Montgomery. Nagy just gives it to Tariq Cohen a little more. Like, it's not exact. This isn't like Kamara, McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt group here, right? Because I think every year it's like, oh, we'll just leading rush will be a fourth rounder. Like, yeah, sometimes. And sometimes, like, are we sure any of these guys are that good? Daryl Henderson from Memphis. Daryl Henderson. Taylor Rapp, I saw, might come back this week, too. Daryl Henderson from Memphis last season, I think I'd have to go back and get the exact number, but I'm pretty sure he averaged more than eight yards a carry. I, mean, I think he ran for over 2,000 yards. Like his, now, he's playing in whatever conference Memphis is in, Conference USA or whatever, but he was historically explosive, even at that level, right? Like He was so goddamn good. It'd be the equivalent out here like a, a Fresno State boy. Not even boys a higher level than Memphis, but he was so good that it's like, Jesus. So they, they might have something there. And that, that would be because this happens sometimes, by midseason, you're forced to play a guy that you didn't quite think was ready. Slash, it's just, it's hard to bench Todd Gurley for, you know, Daryl Henderson, even when you did draft him high. Like, it's, your locker room still looks at Todd Gurley like he's Todd Gurley. But is this the game where, like, God, Daryl Henderson busts a 60-yard touchdown run, and then it's just, this is when Todd Gurley's carries drop forever? Because <laughs> it's going to happen eventually, potentially with him, right? That if Henderson makes... Maybe not against the Niners, but the Cardinals, whoever, has like 200 yards rushing. It's easier to say goodbye to Todd Gurley. But that guy has to do it. Yeah, but, you you, but like you, you're saying because you are invested in him, he's not a nobody unsigned, undrafted free agent. He's a third round. Yeah, but, he, but he's not drafted, you know, like in the first round where it's high enough where he's like, you can just give him carries right away. And I'm sure like in practice, maybe they're like, God, he just can't figure out the offense or whatever. But this is where coaching in front office sometimes doesn't always see eye to eye. It's like, guys, just give them like five fucking plays. Just Todd or Sean, just scheme them up a couple things. Like that's the one thing with Kyle. If they had drafted a third round running back, we'd already have a large sample size of the guy playing. I mean, we see that just with the guys he likes. He just gives it to everybody. Could you argue that you might, if you're an offensive guy? If the money was equal, the Niners might not be the place to go because your numbers will probably be a little smaller than if you went to another team that would force feed you. Well, you the the question is, I'm, ta- how good I'm are talking you? any position. I'm talking any position. Yeah, I mean, but it's Receiver like, what if you're an back? average running back and all of a sudden you sign a one year deal with the Niners and you look really good? Like you could get your numbers pumped up playing for him too. Running back, yeah. Would you th- say if like? If the Niners had an Odell Beckham, would Kyle force feed him the ball? Not the way well, the Freddie Kitchen, K- Kitchens did the other day, but I do think I would just fundamentally think, you know what? I'm a great receiver. If this guy is a great schemer, he knows the I, he can get other guys to make plays, but he's just going to get me open as much as he can, right? Yeah. Like instead of throwing the slant to Dante Pettis, they'll just throw it to me. the quarterback. Will throw it to me. Be interesting if Kyle's ever going to get his hands on a elite guy. They're they're hard to get. I mean, yeah. I don't. You just might not. And you might you think we just it's not the best round. use of our money because he can. 
We don't need it. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we get to the defensive side of that uh, matchup, let's just tell the people about Get Roman. John, talking about ED isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off. Maybe you blame yourself. I lost my mojo. Or, this is, I would imagine, the most common, avoid the discussion about erectile dysfunction altogether. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, totally discreet. Yeah, getroman.com slash ham. Uh, free online visit, two, free two-day shipping. Listen, th- these are problems that clearly impact men all over this country. And that's the thing about Haberman Middlecoff. We're here to help, and we're here to keep it quiet. And with Roman, no one has to know. Because you just go to getroman.com slash ham. You, uh, the doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. The medication is appropriate. Roman will ship it to you in, two free, in free two-day shipping. And again, guy, this isn't, you don't have to go to the doctor, you know, at a visit where you're, you know, sitting in the waiting room, people are looking at you, maybe you see someone you know, they're like, what are you here for? You're like, I got the flu. You don't have to tell anybody anything, except just go to GetRoman.com slash ham and tackle this problem. We're here to help, but we won't even know. So just keep it on the DL. Complete an online visit today, connect with a doctor and take care of it. GetRoman.com slash ham. That's GetRoman.com slash ham. This pod also brought to you by SeatGeek. Games, I love me some SeatGeek guy. Concerts, play whatever you need, John. SeatGeek, download the app, use the promo code HAM, and you'll get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Just download the app. It's the easiest thing you'll ever do. You just go to the app store, you type in SeatGeek, you download that app, and you go, What do I want to see? Do I want to see music? Do I want to see uh, comedy? Do I want to see games? And whatever you want, you just type it in, you search. And then you go look at the venue. You can pick seats anywhere in that venue. It gives you the different price options. It's so easy to use. And then you type in our promo code HAM, guy. And when you type in our promo code HAM, you get $10 off your first purchase. I, I don't see how you beat that. I, I, I really don't. Because we are enabling you to see everything. Comedy, games, movies, you name it. Maybe not movies, but uh, <laughs> concerts. <laughs> Better than movies, John. Live humans in action. Seat Geek, we've been using the app for a long time. 50,000 five-star reviews over that in the App Store. And uh, when you use the app, you'll see why. Big green dot means good value. Little red dot, bad value. Super easy interactive seat map as well. Seat Geek, get the app, or you can use the website. But use the promo code HAM for 10 bucks off. Share that as well. All right, you wrote something in The Athletic on Thursday. And I read the article. It was a really good article. People should go read the article if they haven't read the article. You got me thinking one of the things you wrote was just about the defensive coordinator matchup this week in Wade Phillips and Robert Sala. And I hadn't really thought about Robert that way, but we've talked about him for a long time and kind of tried to figure out. There have been times when we've talked about, is his job on the line with Kyle? Is this a make it or break it season, right? Things like that over the last couple of years. And really none of that has come from the 49ers. Like there's never been any hint that he's not Kyle's guy. But I think given the way they've played now through four games and especially the way they played on Monday Night Football against the Browns, you just start thinking, could he begin to ascend as one of the better DCs in this league where you start matching him up with not just Sean McVay, not just Jared Goff, what's he going to do against a young quarterback? But like we talk about with starting pitchers, we talk about it with quarterbacks when you get to see him on the field at the same time. What does he do with this defense when we see it on the same field as a Wade Phillips defense. That's part of what's going to be fun about this game on Sunday. You do agree 
because we were talking about it yesterday or a couple days ago, that we're like, well, and you kind of convinced me, the offensive kind of boom is still strong. And that's that, that's what excites fans. That's what excites clearly the owners and the GMs. And so many of these teams have young quarterbacks now. But if the Niners, if I tell you they went 3-1 and one and their defense just maintains and just is kicking ass, taking names, picking balls off, this guy is young and he's got this vibe, he is going to get like multiple interviews, right? If this, if they win the division and kick ass when they have all these offensive interviews and their defense is a top two or three defense in the league, this guy is going to be considered one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL, right? Yes. It, it, I, I, it's hard because, to say that right now. It's only a four-game sample size. But to me, if he does it like over eight, if it just never stops, well, I just start thinking about. Guy. I start thinking about the way we talk about. We talked about Fangio when he was the Niners' defensive coordinator, and then obviously when he was the Bears' defensive coordinator. And guess what? The best defensive coordinators have. They usually have the best, some of the best players. They got stars, and he's got well, that. Yeah, and, and you know, you know how we talk about like Belichick's guys over the years, like. What is Brian Flores really doing? Like, Patricia, what is he? I think it's kind of like Eric Bieniemy right now. Well, if you watch a Chiefs game, he's definitely calling some plays. But he's not calling them all. But he's playing a key role. And you kind of bet, like, with Andy's guys, Andy, unlike Belichick, is much more of a teacher. Like, clearly, he teaches Doug. He teaches, like, he lets them in on it all. Where it's like, does Bill even talk to anyone else? In the, like, you know, does he just do his own game plan in his room by himself? Where the one thing you feel good about Salah is like, this is Salah's defense. Correct? Correct. And no one's like, is Kyle telling? No, Kyle's fucking yelling at Jimmy. So this guy, to me, has a lot to gain. Because it's a double whammy. He's either going to establish himself as this hot coaching candidate, and some team might just be like, screw it. We're going to hire a young guy who's going to be defense. Or if whatever, he's not, no one's going to hire him. The Niners, I'm pretty sure he signed a three-year deal and they didn't extend him or anything because it hasn't gone that well. He's going to get a huge extension from the 49ers. Like they clearly value him. Mm -hmm. And I think there was some external pressure. I rooted for the guy. I liked him. He seemed like a really good guy. Then I found out he likes golf. Like I just like everything about Robert Sala. He's bald. He's bald. That's the number one thing. But you just didn't really know if he could coach. You know, and the the results weren't really on his favor. Well, he's you know what what did what's his name uh, Lloyd tell Harry in uh, Dumb and Dumber? You've totally redeemed yourself. I think everyone's like, I gotta like this guy. This guy is my guy. Like if if I told you that by like week eight they're just one of the best defenses. They're seven and one or whatever, and it's announced that the Forty ers it just it's pretty rare with assistant but let's just say they did it they've they've extended Robert Sala three year his deal was set to run out at the end of the season they've extended him three years as one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in the league people like the athletic comments people listen here would be like fuck yeah you Sala yeah you know yeah. <laughs> nothing probably like this in life I guess and maybe business too but it feels like in business it takes a little bit longer there's not just like one thing happens and it's just a tipping point it just takes like multiple quarters in sports, things can change at rapid speed. You can go from village idiot to like Lombardi as a coach, kind of overnight. Because I'm getting a lot of like, oh, is the, is the there's some stink on McVay now? Like, where's his innovation? You know, I was like, okay, guys, he's still pretty good. You know, <laughs> but it's like, are we sure? Oh, McVay, Mister Overrated. I because I, I always read through the athletic comments, and there's always like, you know, I've always thought McVay was the overrated one, and Kyle was the underrated one, and it's. 
you know, your narratives can, unless you're Belichick and your narrative just never really changed, like you just kick the shit out of everybody, most coaches, given a week or given a season, you can change it, right? Or given a, a month stretch, you'd be like, ah, oh, is this guy really that good? Like last week, like is, is Andy running out of special plays for Mahomes? Or no, do they just get beat? Like you don't, you don't go undefeated in the NFL. Like that's the reason that those guys uh, bust open the champagne. What's his name? Mercury Morris every year. Yeah, like, it's pretty hard. Like most Super Bowl teams, Mercury Morris. I would imagine if we looked at the history of Super Bowl winning teams, or let's just say the two teams in the Super Bowl over the last thirty years, wouldn't you guess the average win like between the two of them would be like? 12 wins a year, right? So it'd be like you're losing four-ish games a year. Maybe 13, 12 to 13. But combined, you're losing three to... So a total of like six games between the two of you a season. But like if if Robert Sala gets smoked this weekend... Do you know that one, one thing I found interesting just doing a little research is the Falcons right now and the Rams are tied for first with most pass attempts. Now obviously the Falcons have been down in basically every game and have been forced to pass. Well, if you look at McVay, you're like, well, they've actually been winning in the three of the games, and they've been down the last two weeks, but he does not. Like, th- their game plan with Goff the previous two years, in 2018, the Rams led the league in rushing, and they were, like, middle of the pack in pass attempts. Because what? how do they want to play? It's Kyle. Like, that's this is the blueprint that the Rams have been doing. Right. Run the ball and just have, you know, Jimmy's probably a little lower <laughs> – they, they've been getting by with like 180 games from Jimmy. Where Goff was still throwing for like 250. Guy, we I don't think have we had a 300 yard game from old Jimmy this year. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, we, we'll talk about this Friday, but this might need to be the one. Yeah. So can you force those guys, you know, to pass? Because you'd say, well, when you force the team to pass, was that advantage Niners? What do they do well? They they rush the passer. Very well. And their DBs, you know, they're fourth in the league right now in PBUs. 296 against the Bengals. Okay. They're they're tied for second right now in picks. They're fucking making plays on the football. What would you call them? What what did Testor call them? E-Moley? Emmanuel Moley? What was this? What did he call them? E-Man? E-Man. Is is that his nickname? I don't know. I've just started calling him that. Did you see people uh, uh, tweeting at us? Him screwing up Mariota or something like Tessator did, I guess back in the Oregon heyday. Well, yeah, well, people he used was... to do that though. Yeah, that used to but... be a thing people did. I don't know why they did it. Mario, Mariota. It's it's Mariota. 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 So people... I, I think people were just trying to discredit like this guy screws up names. There was a stretch where he wasn't the somebody. I don't know where it started, but somebody was doing the top. Did we ever get to the bottom of the Salah? I think we just come to grips with they were wrong. Okay. And then everyone tried to justify it, like, oh, you screwed up Mariota's name back in the day. You're right. There was I, I remember it wasn't just him that did it. Like, what, what are you guys talking about? Mariota. It's Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Mariota. You know, careers. Mariota. Is Philip Rivers the next head uh, next quarterback of Tennessee Titans? Ooh. How do you like that one? How do you like them apples? What's that trade look like? Well, he's a free agent. But you Would they gonna, franchise him, or they just let him go? I think you got to franchise and trade him. Do you think right now, as we sit here on October 10th, Phil Rivers starting quarterback for the LA Chargers in 2020? 
yeah. feel like an upset if he wasn't because how yeah, do you upgrade? I do. Unless he new he stadium, won't. you still need a star. I don't think he has much interest in moving around. Does he? I don't know. Eh, you save some taxes, you get those fifteen kids over to true south. It's true. He doesn't get a. He, he doesn't get he's a tax really break. just lining up his life guy to be the the head coach at like. Uh, you know, Trinity, you listed in North Carolina in five years. <laughs> he is destined. Like, Philip Rivers will retire. He will be then named the head coach at whatever the high school he wants to be at in the town where he wants to live. Hopefully, like, just be boom, boom. Hopefully in Josh McCown's league. The hell, they might be co-head coaches. Could you see an article in, like, 15 years how Philip Rivers just had one of the great 10-year stretches in high school football history. Like the championship that eluded him in the NFL, he has finally found. Yeah. In the seven straight years. In the Tri-Cities Athletic Conference. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Rivers is just going to just take the high school, whatever conference he enters, by storm. I value this ring more than any ring I could have yeah. won in the NFL. But then the story will be like, you know. Because here at St. Mark, because here at St. Marguerite, like North Carolina State made a run at him after his second year, you know, coaching the high school. Rivers just wasn't ready to commit. And then five years later, three more national championships. Another failed North Carolina State head coach. They offer Phillip, you know, the farm, and he just can't turn it down. Like that. And then by, he's a 51 year old, first, you know, never coached in college, just been all in high school. He's a coach at North Carolina State. That's in 2028. He, he had been, he had turned it down a couple times. And then he finally does it. And then if it goes really well, like he gets them in the playoffs, he's the head coach for the Chicago Bears by like 2032. That's the fill. And then he wins the Super Bowl. And he's one of those guys that like, you know, he's like Kershaw as a player, but he finally wins the Super Bowl. He's one of the most accomplished high school coaches ever. And he made the playoffs at North Carolina State. Becomes a legend as a coach. That's maybe what his destiny was meant to be. And it's, and his eight kids are, you know, all quarterbacks. Yeah, they all, they all, they're all on the team. <laughs> Rivers backs up Rivers. What would you say the likelihood that one of Philip Rivers' children is a Division One starting quarterback in a Power Five conference? Ninety nine point nine. Yeah, one hundred percent chance. <laughs> one thousand. What is the likelihood that his kid is one of the most heralded recruits? A million percent. Like Same throwing motion. Dad? Well, didn't you? Didn't he show yeah. something like the Chargers tweeted and the kids throwing just like him? <laughs> Don't you think they win the national championships against like St. Thomas Aquinas and, and Philip Junior runs to his dad and they hug, you know, and Philip's like holding the trophy. Yep. They just they just beat Folsom High School, you know, at, at like the Las Vegas Stadium. It's it's on like uh, you know, by that time they're probably playing on like ABC, you know, everyone's watching. All right. Well, lunchtime. Yeah, let's. We'll get into the offensive matchup. Uh, we'll get into Kyle and Jimmy and all that. Some NFL headlines on Friday's pod. So another pod. This will. This is the third pod of the week. There will be a fourth podcast this week. Just FYI. China breakdown then too. Or yeah, by no then I will have done all my research on uh, the Hong Kong protests. I'll be prepared to speak publicly on it, John. There's a uh, there's a little too much China in my timeline. I, I'm I'm a little China worn out to be honest with you. We get it, guys. Just, guys. Just it's it's only the NBA. Like the NFL stories, when they got out of hand, probably over the last ten years, it was usually like a little uncomfortable. Like, right, it'd be someone beating the shit out of a woman. You're like, oh my god, this is this is bad. <laughs> you know, the NBA stories are never that violent. 
they're, they're actually never violent. There's nothing. It's just more just the story of the story, and then the story of like the journalist that's getting shut down trying to ask about the story. It just never ends. That's this like, one's oh, we're still early on this one since the uh, the cap might get cut by like twelve million dollars per team. Well, the the one way the story does elevate is a player blasting the league for screwing their children, right? Like, you're taking money out of our pockets. And then it starts getting down this weird point of them complaining about, like, you know, that's where it's kind of headed. Yeah, what what takes money out of their pockets is not having China. Well, that's 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 kind of where we're headed with China just cutting them. Yeah. It's like, well... Well, it's... The way I've described it is, you know, they've branded themselves a little bit like you know, Elizabeth Warren mixed with Bernie Sanders, but they do like their money like Gordon Gecko. It's hard to have it both, you know? And I do think that they've, you know, I wouldn't mind them doing this. Like, did you see Dan Tony? The, the Rockets are, when you say kind of China's team, right? Because, yeah, Dan Tony was asked about it yesterday. And he's just like, I, I just coach basketball. In fairness to Dan Tony, he doesn't chime in about anything. Like, when I think about Dan Tony, I just think a guy just wants to coach offense, right? He doesn't have all these crazy Kerr and Popovich takes. So when he says yeah. that, I like, it's like I think he's kind of being true to his own brand. Just like, yeah, I just coach the team. Right. He's in a tough spot. I mean, they all, especially the Yeah, the it'd Rockets be easy guys. if it was Cuba. And it was like, well, Cuba counts for zero NBA streaming. So we're fine there. But it's think not Cuba. This. Think about this. They just, it was an innocuous tweet if you live in Hong Kong or China, but to like many people in America, I didn't even think, I didn't even know what it meant. No, I, 99% of people wouldn't have known it was a thing people would get mad about, which maybe that's good. It educates some people. But but I, I think Maury's tweet was literally out for less than an hour, and now we're talking about the salary caps being uh, impacted 15%. How come he hasn't denied that it, it wasn't me? Somebody hacked my, must have been the Russians. I, I, I did hear one person say, this has to be the biggest, you know, implicated tweet of costing people just potentially billions like long where the guy actually didn't even deny it he just he wore it immediately like yeah my bad like i didn't didn't quite realize because he might have been better like yeah i didn't i might have lied because then give it a shot when it got crazy is when tillman was like daryl Morey does not stand yeah, for the rocket like, like whoa that's what i kind of noticed i didn't notice i didn't know what had happened until fertita started talk tweeting talking about it whatever he was doing and then i kept looking like the next day i'm like i bet tillman's gonna erace that you know it's a little he he guy you can go to tillman fertita's uh twitter account it's still up it's pinned <laughs> it's pinned. shut up and listen is tillman fertita's book all right on that note share Adios. the pod see ya lunchtime see ya Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.